Welcome to Boundaryless Leadership with Nozomi Morgan, the show where we explore leadership that transcends physical and psychological boundaries. Here's your host, Nozomi Morgan. Welcome to Boundaryless Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Nozomi Morgan. On this podcast, we explore the journey of executives, leaders, and professionals to learn how they have become a boundaryless leader. So today's guest is Hiromi Tsuboi, and I am so excited to have you today, Hiromi-san. How are you? Welcome. Thank you, Nozomi-san. I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me today. Absolutely. So excited. So just for the um, the listeners out there who are wondering, why do they keep on, why does Nozomi say Hiromi-san and why does Hiromi-san say Nozomi-san? So the S-A-N after our name. So we both are uh, native Japanese speakers. And in Japanese, we say our like a name, first name or last name and put San, S-A-N at the end. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know what you call it. Actually, I'm, I'm, I suck at grammar and all that. Do you, do you know the right word? What is song? What does that actually, um, um, how would you explain it to someone who's not a Japanese speaker? I think it uh, means some respect. So if I call uh, you Nozomi-san, it sounds Nozomi-san with respect. Yes. Yes. So Nozomi <laughs> with respect is the, yes, the song. Right. So mm-hmm. you might hear us interchangeably going, you know, just first name with some, but that's uh, the Japanese Nessa of us comes out and it, for us that's more natural how we mm-hmm. call each other so wonderful well Hiromi-san thank you so much for joining so just for the listeners just because I'm jealous I have to ask Hiromi-san where she's joining in from so where are you today oh so I'm in Hawaii with my mom I'm on vacation and you're there for a pretty long time uh, it's been almost three weeks and we have another week to go. And after that, I'll go back to Silicon Valley's area. Yeah. Wonderful. I am absolutely, I know using the word jealous is not the best way, but I would say (laughs) I am jealous. I would love to be in Hawaii for a month. So thank you so much for joining in during your vacation, the precious time with your mother. So I really, really appreciate you. Uh, So yeah, you and I met because Actually, our company, Michiki Morgan Worldwide, had the privilege to actually work with a company that you work for, which is Mitsui Chemicals. And we'll, and I'll ask Hiromi-san to explain a little bit more about the company or, or her journey. And that's how we met. And we had really the honor to do executive coaching with you. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we met. And the reason why I wanted to have you on our podcast was because you have this amazing, inspiring passion. And also your career, you know, being Japanese and female and working abroad, you know, overseas coming. And then, so Hiromi-san had, was one of the highest ranking females in Mitsui Chemical America in the U.S. And so I'm sure there was a lot of challenges, struggles, joy, excitement, you know, to get there. So can I ask you, how did would love you to explain, you know, just share a little bit about yourself and what you do today or because you're actually in transition. Can I share that? But also tell us about your leadership journey. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your question. So, yeah, I was honored uh, to uh, receive a coaching a session from your company. And I really enjoyed that journey with uh, your coach. 
And actually, I left the company I worked off for as the head of the Silicon Valley's office two weeks ago. And I started as a manager and moved up to a director and general manager. And I worked for them for 10 years and I learned a lot and I really enjoyed working for them. And one of the highlights was my team won the company-wide president award for vision care and business success in the United States in April this year. Oh, so congratulations. very recent one. Thank you. Yeah. And I planned my leaving a year ago and successfully transferred my role uh, to my successor. So, and my next journey is to contribute to the advancement of gender diversity in leadership in Japan. So last year, I graduated my university with a master's degree in education. And this year, I wanted to spend a year working on a project to write a book about diversity and inclusion with a gender researcher. And also, I became an advisor for Mitsui Chemicals Inc. headquarters in Japan, working for HL, Diversity and Inclusion Group. I also set up a Lean in Mitsui Chemicals Circle to empower women. I also started uh, studying coaching and a beginning level programming. I have a lot of uh, interests yes, uh, in yes. my life. Yes, yes, you do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's and you know, that's what makes you so special and amazing. And for the listeners, I think a lot of them might have not have heard about Mitsui Chemicals because it is a Japanese company. And you're always behind the scenes, right? The product is not a consumer-faced product. So can you share a little bit about Mitsui Chemicals? Especially it's a humongous company. It's it's a yes. it's a global, like top global player, one of the industry leaders. So if you can kind of share a little bit just so the sure. listeners have an idea of what Mitsu Chemicals is about. Right. So Mitsu Chemicals is one of the largest chemical companies in Japan. And we have more than 120 years history. Mm-hmm. And we have a variety of product lines. And um, Silicon Valley's office are responsible for healthcare and also ICT-related products. What's ICT? Uh, ICT, Information yeah. Communication Technology. Mm, thank you. Uh, sure. And so there are uh, three main products. One is a semiconductor-related product called Pelicom. And another one is Vision Care. Our company uh, manufacture a monomer, a low materials for glasses. And we have a huge market share worldwide. And another product main uh, product is a solar related product. So yes, uh, they are the three main products in our uh, Silicon Valley's office. And also Mitsui Chemicals America's headquarter is located in New York and they mainly uh, handle products related to mobility. In other words, auto industry, automobile industries. Great. Well, thank you so much, Hiromi-san. That's wonderful to, for the listeners to just understand about Mitsui Chemicals. So can you tell me, this is a question that actually I didn't ask you beforehand, but I'm really curious. What do you see the biggest challenge for Japanese women 
working in Japan? Yes, that's a really good question. And that's something I wanted to, so I wanted to study and write book mm-hmm. about. And there are several things. And one thing is there are not so many、uh, role models of working in Japan as a manager or as an executive. So it's A little difficult for women to,、uh, to find role models in Japan. That's one thing. And also, I think culturally,、uh, women、um, tend to be very friendly and、uh, very mild, while sometimes、uh, to become a manager or executive,、uh, you need to be strong. And also, sometimes you need to manage conflicts. And I think、uh, that's sometimes contradictory、uh, with the image of women in Japan.、Mm. Yeah. Since you have, so Hiromi san, you have worked in Japan and you've also worked here in the United States, where we both currently are. What do you see the biggest differences between Japanese women, working women, and then, or Japanese women,、um, and then、um, women here in the United States when it comes to moving up, say, in, in the corporate world? I think the biggest difference、uh, between Japan and the US is diversity. And in the United States, because there are many people with a different backgrounds, a different opinions,、uh, people generally think diversity is natural and good thing. While in Japan, we don't have a diversity populations in general. So people understand diversity is a good concept. But in reality, day to day, they don't、uh, deal with、uh, diversity. So I think,、um, in order for women in Japan to move up, I think men or you know, the current、uh, managers and executives understand、uh, different opinions and value different opinions, value、uh, diversity. So I think that's the biggest difference.、Mm. Yeah, I see that a lot. So, In our experience, so at Michiki Morgan Worldwide, we are seeing more and more the demand for Japanese companies to that they have this demand that they really、um, want the need to learn more about diversity, equity, inclusion. Because to your point, Hiromi san, in Japan, you, typically when you say diversity, that means gender. And those are one of the areas of boundaries that we talk about with boundaryless leadership. So it's the perfect topic you know, to talk、mm-hmm. about on this podcast.、Sure. Yeah. you know, And so it's, it's because it's gender, it's culture, it's perspectives, all those differences. And a lot of it also is generational differences as well. How、mm-hmm. um, my parents or my grandparents' generation or our younger, like our Technically, our children's generations, like、mm-hmm. what, how they look at working or, or work life balance, looks,、mm-hmm. looks and sounds very different.、Mm-hmm. And so, going back to in Japan, although we're, you know, Japan is a developed country, diversity is typically gender. And then sometimes there's the age, right? Because you have a lot of different generations in 
because Japanese are known to live very long. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> right. We, we can live basically forever. And then also, I think it will be the physical differences. So the, the disability around disability. So those mm-hmm. are, but still gender is like the big, big, big topic. Whereas the Japanese companies and people that come over to the U.S., they're really hit by the variety of diversity Mm -hmm. is so different from what we experience in Japan, right? Like, so for us at Michiki Morgan Worldwide, we talk about the nine areas Mm. of boundaries that we deal with. And um, so it's the gender and the race, ethnicity there's region, there's values, perspectives, there's religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's another thing that in Japan, we don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's um, business unit. Mm-hmm. So business, diff- like there's, you know, especially in, the, in organizations, there's business departments have different ways of looking at things or when companies merge, mm-hmm. that's two different entities, two different people basically coming together. It's like marriage uh-huh. and there's that. And I know I'm missing a few, but um, so we have nine areas that we primarily work on mm-hmm. and help our clients navigate through. And we call boundaryless leadership is are the leaders that can navigate through those differences mm-hmm. um, because in today's world, right, there's no, everything, there's something new every single day. Mm. Like even with diversity, equity, inclusion, it's evolving every single day. Right. You know, it's always been there, but it's what is important? What is the problem? All of those things keep on evolving. Mm-hmm. Like even like pronouns, right? Like that's something, again, in, mm. in Japanese language, we don't right. deal with mm-hmm. because we don't, because the language structure is different. There's all these new things that comes up. So with these Japanese companies that do not have that cultural understanding foundation, they struggle mm-hmm. when they come to the U.S. Or a lot of these companies that we typically work with mm-hmm. have been in the States for a long, long time. So mm-hmm. like Mitsui Chemicals, do you know when they first opened up shop here in the U.S.? Probably is the 1980s, 70s. Mm. it's not that yeah. recent i guess is a point no, right yes <laughs> i think a uh, long time ago 80s 80s I, I right yeah probably yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot of the companies came around the 80s mm-hmm. so yeah that's like 40 years ago right so nice. uh you know they've been for a long time but it's just really hard to understand. It's not like learning languages that you can just learn the word. You mm-hmm. actually have to understand the the history behind it. Um, also, and because it evolves once, just because you learned it once, you have to update yourself too. So that's where we've actually have been doing a lot of work with uh, Japanese companies to help them understand really mm-hmm. the true meaning of diversity, equity, inclusion from mm-hmm. that place of helping them to understand the, the gap between, you know, how Japan is or, or other countries that do not have the same found, obviously a different foundation cultural understanding history from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part I find, especially a boundaryless leadership is really important is to understand, we call that context. I mean, I lump it into that word, but mm-hmm. understanding all that background information is so important without knowing the history of the country, of the people. You can't just, you know, slice it and take just like 2020 and see like what's, you can't understand what's happening just there. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so I get, I have a lot to say around this topic, especially sure. for, yeah. for Japanese companies and Japanese uh, expats that, uh-huh. that are executives for these companies that have a responsibility for their employees in the US, for the uh-huh. community, because Japanese, you know, companies employ, they're big, they employ a lot of people. And it's not just the employees, but the employees have families and they live uh-huh. in the community. So I really have a strong opinion about like why this is so important and why I think Japanese companies need to do, need to learn more about this because I think it's more important than they actually think it is. I know they Mm -hmm. understand it's important, you know, but I don't know if they really understand, like really feel it in their body. Understanding Mm -hmm. is where I feel like there's still a little bit of a gap. And there's still areas to grow. And it's and it's it's yeah. not from a ill intention. It's just again, it's different. It's mm-hmm. new to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's not easy to understand. So I want to switch gears a little bit and really talk about you as a leader. And you've been you're so humble and you didn't, you know, you're not the type that would go like, I did this, I, you know, in that. But really, you know, being a female and in sales, right? In the area that you are being the head of the Silicon Valley office in that sense is such an accomplishment and is, is not something that you'll typically see in a Japanese company. So, and what you're doing now, really taking your life, you know, being the leader of your life and doing what you really want. And I know you, you know, setting the course of your own career you know, um, really completely changing what you're doing, you know, being that advisor, the diversity and inclusion advisor for Mitsui Chemicals, like that's 180 from where you are, where you were, um, or where you are were. So what drives you to be a better leader? And who has shaped or influenced you throughout that journey? Sure. So I worked for companies in the United States for 15 years. And actually, I worked for companies in Japan for 15 years. So I experienced both U.S. and Japan. So I um, 100% agree what you said about the difference between Japan and U.S. And so I can't forget the first manager of my first job in Japan who told me that I couldn't become sales because I was a woman. That was 30 years ago. And I was shocked by the stereotyping and determined that I need to prove that he was wrong and to ensure that all people, regardless of gender, have the opportunity to realize their full potential. So that was a perfect example that we can learn from a a bad experience. So that was my first motivation to become a better leader. And after that, I think many people supported me and I learned how to become a better leader. And I always think experience and practices are golden. And also asking for help is an essential skill. And also, I always enjoy uh, hardworking. However, I also wanted to share that uh, there are no perfect role models in this world. So we can't expect uh, one ideal leader teaches us 
everything because each person is different. So the important thing is that we learn good and bad lessons from various leaders and books and us shape own styles. So I still wanted to change myself. I also I wanted to uh, keep uh, courage to transform myself. So that's my journey. Wow, that's absolutely. There is so much, so much wisdom in what you just shared, especially what you, you said this towards the end. But the, the courage to change, I think, is such a important message because a lot of, especially you know. People at your level who has a lot of experience, who've done almost like done it all, right? In the corporate world, I think it's so hard sometimes to take that next step because they've accomplished so much. And sometimes a lot of people, uh, some people get comfortable mm-hmm. um, in that place. And it's scary to change when you've already been successful and achieved so much in a certain area. So I think that is such a powerful message for people, not only you know younger people that are beginning their career, but especially for people that are mid-career or looking at their second mm-hmm. um, career of not being afraid, you know, really having that courage to dive in <laughs> into something that they really want to do. Right. Yeah, because I believe that uh, people who can change themselves can only change an organization. Mm. So I really want, uh, I really wanted to keep this uh, mindset. That's my my goal. Yeah, I wanted oh. to be yeah courageous. Love to change that. Myself. That's mm. I don't forget how they call it. What they call it the tweetable, like what you said. People that, let me see, I might butcher it. So people that, no, you said it better. So the only the people that can change themselves can change an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so cool. Love that, love that. You should you should create like a sticker or something. <laughs> Put it all around the office. Yeah, I think I read that phrase maybe uh, from some book. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely makes sense. Because mm-hmm. that, what that sounds to me is really walking your talk. The worst thing you can do as a leader, I think, is say something, but you're not really doing it yourself or you're mm-hmm. not taking, your actions are not aligned with what you say. Mm-hmm. I think that's the worst. And that's where the big difference between good mm-hmm. leaders or people that will rise up, that's really when you see folks that are everything is aligned that you, because if you're not aligned, you can't trust the person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can see why that is so important. Yeah. So you already shared a lot of wisdom with us. I want to continue to ask you a little bit more questions. So what do you think is important to lead in today's diverse and intercultural world? What would you say is the most important when you lead? So I think listening. Listening ability is the most important skill to be a good leader. And that's why I decided to take a coaching lesson from a CTI, a Co-Active Coaching. And so I think um, the ability to interact with uh, people by using coaching skill approach is I think is is becoming a core competency 
as a leader. And because, you know, I think uh, in the past, manager knows tasks and clearly so that uh, he or she can divide them into pieces and assign uh, those tasks to each members. But now uh, we live in a world of uncertainty and diversity. So I think uh, each person should be encouraged to be innovative and take a lead. And in this world, we as a leader want to help people identify and solve problems of on their own. I think uh, that's the key. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, you don't want to have people that are coming up to you and say, hey, I have a problem. Like help, you know, asking for help is important, but just coming and say like, I have a problem, like what do I do? Is not, you know, what you want from your team members. You want them to have that. Okay, so then what, you know, especially with the talking about coaching, the coaching is all about asking powerful questions. Mm -hmm. And that really helps you to open up your mind, right? To see things differently. But also what I really think is so powerful about coaching is that it actually, op- it, it shifts the way you look at the world. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if you keep on asking, what is the problem? That is all you'll see. You'll look at the problem. problem. And typically, you know, like in operations, we talk about like root cause analysis and all that, mm-hmm. like you're, which is important. You keep on looking at the problem. Like what is the problem here? But if you ask the question, how can I make this better? Or what, what could be the solution? You know, if you're looking or how can I make an excellent experience? If mm-hmm. you look at it, you know, beyond the problem, not just solving the problem that you have, but if you right. look at what could be possible, mm-hmm. I guess that's another really powerful question is what mm-hmm. could be possible that just opens up like completely different dimension of thinking mm-hmm. from just looking at that problem that you have in front of you, which you do have to solve. But if you could look at what is possible or what, how can I make this better? Then you might be even able to solve something even bigger mm-hmm. than what that small, that I just say small, but what that problem was to begin with. And I think that's where coaching is so powerful. And that's, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited that you're, you're studying at CTI. It's an amazing organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best coaching training, you know, schools or what do you call it? Institutions. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I am so excited that you're studying there, but that is something we see at Michiki Morgan too. That's what we, you know, that's why we do ex- executive coaching for our mm-hmm. clients. And even in our training consulting, we really bring in that coaching mentality, I should say, sure. that constantly asking questions. And one of the things we talk about is that we, even when we do our consulting, we do a lot of like strategy labs with clients, but we always tell our clients, you know, we're consultants, but we don't tell you what to do, mm-hmm. you know, cause at the end right. of the day, we're not, we're not going to do it. Like we're not there right. to do it for you. Uh-huh. So you, it has to come from them, right? The answer has to come from within, right? Right. And that mm-hmm. goes back to the, with the most important part with coaching is that because if it doesn't come from within it, you're not going to do it. So, or, and I should say, especially with like working with companies is that, you know, you know, your company, the best we come Mm -hmm. in and do discovery. So we become, it's like a bootcamp. We become an expert pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. but still we're not 24 seven breathing what Mm -hmm. you breathe. 
you know, as a company. So us telling you what to do, it really is kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. when you think about that. So we're here to guide you and making sure, and we see, you know, we can see things differently as an outsider, but ultimately the answers have to come from within, you know? So I would say that, yeah, again, I am so excited that you are being trained to be a coach. (laughs) Thank you. I think uh, I think uh, I got an opportunity to have uh, to work with a coach uh, thanks to your company. I think uh, that made me realize that listening coaching is uh, what an important skill I need to have as a leader because I generally have a plenty to say and tend to give advice to my subordinates. That was a really bad habit. (laughs) And that's why I really wanted to learn how to listen uh, to people. And um, actually, I had a fundamental uh, course course, uh, from CTI. And one of the things that I've learned was that there are three levels of listening. Level one is listening to yourself or your own thoughts. And level two listening is uh, intensely focused on what other person is saying. And uh, level three listening is also directed towards the other person, but it has a wider focus. And they recommend us to utilize level two and level three. And we practiced, but uh, it was harder than I expected. So yeah, I think uh, it's it's a great opportunity for me to learn. And I'm happy. I'm I'm very happy to have these opportunities. Thanks to you. Oh, no. Well, thank you. Well, oh, my gosh. So unexpected to hear that. I am absolutely over the moon excited. And thank you for, for such a kind uh, words and compliments and yeah, thank you. Oh my gosh. I kind of get like little goosebumps there, but like what you said about how hard it is, is so Mm -hmm. true, right? Like listening is something I had a a client before. And like I shared with you, we did, we do strategy days with these executive teams, strategy labs. And he said, the CEO said, Oh, our executives, you know, we have great meetings all the time. We talk all the time. And I said, well, or we're all good communicators. And I was like, talking all the time does not mean you're a good communicator. (laughs) Yes, right. That's the big, big talking about mistake. A lot of people have is, or a lot of even leaders really, you know, you know, oh, oh, I'm friendly. I talk all the time. I have no problem communicating. Like, oh, no, no, no. That's not really communicate. You can say few words and be super powerful. And you can say millions of words and nothing, you know, might, it might not be communicated at all. So yeah, that listening, when you, that awareness mm-hmm. of what real listening that is like this level one, two, three, it's, yes. it's eye-opening, isn't it? Like, it's right. like holy, holy cow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was a good listener, but I was not. That was a big discovery. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. So, and I really do think that's one of the key skills for boundaryless leaders to be Mm -hmm. able to listen because you are going, you're dealing with people that think differently from you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really, really tuning into what is this person really trying to communicate with me? 
or where is this coming from? Right. Like trying to understand that context Mm -hmm. and all of that is really being listening and asking questions, not like emotional, personal targeting questions, but really to understand, like, I want to understand you. That's Mm -hmm. why, you know, and that's where, so that listening, and then I would add curiosity Mm -hmm. are really like the two big, important skills or elements or attitudes, you know, that for boundaryless leaders to be, to be really, to be good leaders. I think those are Mm -hmm. the two really big ones. So as we are wrapping up, I would love to ask you, what would be one message you would like to share with a boundaryless leadership podcast audience? And if there's anything that you want to share before we wrap up, what would that be? Sure. So I like a classic book uh, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Stefan Covey. And be proactive is the first habit. And I always come back here. So I also like a message, your time is limited, so don't waste it uh, living someone else's life by Steve Jobs. And control your destiny or someone else will by Jack Welch. And I believe they said the same thing. So my message is please be proactive, become a change leader and live happy. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. You know, Misan, that is absolutely beautiful. And because there's such powerful words, I would like to make sure that those words or those and the quotes will be in the show notes so everyone can, you know, catch those. And then what would be the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Um, LinkedIn or what? Well, typically that's our, it seems to be our guest preferred method sure. these days. Yes. Yeah? yeah. LinkedIn is the best way uh, to contact me. Okay. Wonderful. Yes. yes. And uh, I am personally very excited and can't wait to see the book that you are going to be working on. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, it's so important. And I just really appreciate people like you tackling this head on when it's not an easy subject. It's not a comfortable subject. Mm -hmm. So I really admire and respect and just, just so grateful for your courage and for you. So thank you so much, Hiromi-san. Thank you. Thank you very much. So change leaders in the labor market will transfer uh, gender issues in Japanese society is a tentative title of my book. So yeah, I'm a researcher and I have done 20 interviews so far uh, to learn uh, their career path and challenges And also we plan to uh, feature innovation, diversity as a managing uh, issue, work-life balance for younger generation. So yeah, I'm very excited to write a book with a researcher and I hope we can issue before March of 2023. Okay, well, this this is recorded. (laughs) (laughs) But I would... I hope then when, when the book is, you know, once you it's published, I would love to have you back and learn. Yeah. Learn what you found out and discuss even more. That's even further. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, Hiromi-san, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Please, please keep us posted uh, the progress and everything, amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining and listening to this episode. 
take this opportunity to explore your own boundaries leadership. Thank you. Thank you, Nozomi-san. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. Thank you for listening to Boundaryless Leadership with Nozomi Morgan. Be sure to check the show notes for information regarding today's guest and to email Nozomi directly. Join us next week for another episode. We'll be right back.